So we're uh, beginning a, a series uh, that Lars helped me to start last week. I'm very thankful to Lars. As Nora was going into the hospital on Wednesday, I just sent him a text and said, there's about five things I need you to do, and I think I won't be there, but just plan like I won't be. So I'm very thankful for him uh, doing that for us. Uh, but he helped us to start out the, this book, uh, just to think about the book of First John by preaching a little bit from um, the Gospel of John, because we often take uh, for granted, I think, very much the access that we have to, to our Bible, um, that, you know, we just have all, all the words and on the page or even more. I mean, over the last several years, you have your Bible you know, with you all the time, even though it's not a Bible. It functions in other ways, but it also is a Bible. You have access um, to the words, as we just sang about, these ancient words which have changed people's lives forever. Um, they're always with us, uh, which is a blessing. Uh, and we, I think, take that for granted a little bit because that's a very recent phenomenon, first of all, obviously with the technology, but then even like the printing press and the availability of people having like the actual words on the page is still a very recent uh, phenomenon. And as you think about the earliest Christians, sometimes we can think about them uh, through our lenses and think like, yeah, well, they would have like been studying this. But for these early Christian communities, uh, it's likely that they had like one gospel that they were working with. Uh, as it circulated. Maybe they would have had, if they were really lucky, they had a letter from Paul, even though it likely was condemning them for something. But they, likely, they might have had um, something from Paul. And they would have formed the, these communities around this stuff. And so for John, we see that he, he writes the, the gospel, writes about who Jesus is, and as Lars introduced, introduced the concept of being like the beloved of God and living from, from that love. And then you almost get the feeling that this community was trying to do that as they study John and John's view of Jesus and what Jesus means in the gospel of John. And they're struggling with it a little bit. So John needs to write 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John to say like, all right, you guys are messing this whole thing up. And we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about what this church might have been struggling with as this series goes along. But we're going to dive into this book, which is basically a prescription of, okay, here is how you live out love in Christ. This is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And if you've been around church for any amount of time, you've likely been burned by somebody who was trying to love you because it's hard. It's hard to live out the love that Christ calls us to live. So John begins this book in a way somewhat similarly to the Gospel of John. John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, um, starting in verse 1, we read this already together. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He's the word of life. The one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we've seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he's the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so you may fully share our joy. One thing that I think is interesting about this, as he begins to say, okay, like this is what living out your faith looks like as you struggle with getting this Jesus thing, is just how practical it is and how real life it is. Oftentimes, I think we can make the Christian faith like basically like hell insurance. 
Like, just as long as you hang out at church enough, then you won't have to be tortured for eternity, right? We can just make it like it's just about this, this place we go after we die, and like, hopefully you're good enough to escape like eternal damnation, because that wouldn't be great, right? Like, and hopefully we can gather and you can be here enough to make that happen. But what's fascinating about this is you just see this concept of life coming up over and over again. And to a point, then, one of my favorite verses here, we're writing that you're, you may fully share our joy, that there's something different about the way that you live, like your actual life, not just like your spiritual life or not this little part of you, but like your every day. And the Christian message often can get translated in something about what's going to happen later. Like, but this is saying not really about the kingdom of heaven or, or good news or salvation. What he's talking about here is like your Monday through Saturday grind, right? Like real life. I'm giving you something about this life that is more available to you than you might realize. This is what Jesus was about. I'm writing you these things. The reason why I'm writing this to you is that you can fully share in this joy that we have, not like off in the future, but now. There's a possibility that you would experience this joy, and a word that's used a couple times that is important, is revealed. And it might be translated in your Bible as, as appeared, but the better translation of it is revealed. That this life in Jesus was revealed to us. And that's important. It's important for us to really think about what the word revealed means. Because if you think of it as just like, you know, Jesus came and then bam, it was here, that's not really the point. If you think about it from the standpoint of just like that Jesus came and, and, and showed it, then you think, okay, you know, there was this slog of human history that happened before Jesus came. And then all of a sudden, woo, like all of a sudden it appeared. And it was better. And I don't know why we have this. It was in the nursery. Um, it's from Azusa Pacific Mexico Outreach. I don't even know why, why we have this in the nursery. But this is how we can think of the way that sometimes if you read incorrectly the way that people are writing about Jesus, that, you know, it was just bad, 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 and then boom, like Jesus came and then it appeared and this wonderful thing happened. And there are some elements that Jesus showed us this way, but the better way to translate this and understand this concept is that it was revealed, which is a different thing altogether. Revealed means that there's this thing that was available to people And maybe some people were experiencing a little bit of it, and Jesus uncovered it, right? To reveal something is to show something that was there. Like it was maybe not as apparent, and maybe Jesus helped people to see it, but Jesus came along and revealed, he revealed this kind of life. He revealed a new way of living. And again, this is just it's getting like so practical here. He's talking about like life. Not some some future existence, but he's saying I want you to have like more joy tomorrow. I want you to have more joy in the way that you live. I want you to share in the joy that we have. And one of the reasons that he's saying this is Jesus revealed this kind of life. He uncovered this for us. This is a really important thing for us to understand because it gets to another thing that's mentioned, which is eternal life. 
I love audience participation on this one. What, what do you think of when you think of the phrase eternal life? What comes to mind? Heaven? Forever? Happiness? Salvation? Peace? And we think of it, I would say, in many of the ways that you describe, that it's like, it's heaven and like it's clouds and it's puppies, which we have a puppy with us today. So um, it's, we're getting a little closer to heaven because no cats will be there. But, um, <laughs> but and we, we think of it in those terms, right? I think that generally Christians, and I would include myself in this sometimes, we have what I would call a blue skies and rainbows theology, which is blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven. And that's kind of what we think of as, as heaven, right? That it's like this blue skies and rainbows moment. And actually the song gets much deeper than that. But we just stop right there with our view of heaven. The song gets to the point of saying blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven are what I can see when my Lord is li- like living in me. It changes like my perspective because of God living in me. But we kind of stop at that point. And we can sometimes think like the way Revelation describes like this worship scene that goes on in heaven forever. And you think, do I really want to do that? I don't know. It's hard enough for me to come a few Sundays a month. I don't know that I necessarily want to have this like never-ending worship experience. Actually, eternal life, I think as John is trying to communicate it to us, is different than that. Throughout the writings of of John specifically, he's trying to show us something different. He came to announce, in the way John writes it and understands, that Jesus is showing us something that was available. And if he uncovered this and showed something, showed some potential to a group of people, for that group of people, that's still available to us now too. And when we think of eternal life, we have this feeling of, of heaven and, and one day and, and someday it's, it's going to be like this. But what eternal life actually means is it never stops and it never starts. It's not like, okay, once I die, then eternal life, bam. No, eternal life is it never stops and it never starts. That's the way that John is trying to get the early Christians to see it. And a way that we have trouble, I think, seeing sometimes because of our, our biblical translation and trying to get into this is um, there are two different words for life in Greek. So John chapter, 20, John chapter 12, uh, verse 25 um, says this, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And this is one of those uh, passages where, like, if you're in Bible class, you just nod it with everyone. And say, oh, yeah, I totally get that. Even though if you really think about it, this is super confusing. Like, what, what on earth uh, is this talking about exactly? What, what is going on here? And what's helpful, if you go to the next slide, is the first two uses of the word life are a different word for life than the third use of the word life. So the first two are the Greek term psyche, which basically means, like, what makes up your existence, your, your fears, your anxieties, your, your struggles, your achievements, the things that you like are hoping for and striving to get and the things that you are, are hoping to achieve in this world, the things that sometimes stress you out or make you angry or make you upset. And so if you are so focused and if you're so concerned with the temporary nature of the things that are temporary and right in front of you, eventually you're going to lose it all. Because if you're just trying to grab, 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 grab whatever it is out of this life, 
of temporary stuff, you're going to lose it. But if you instead have this perspective that you don't put it at the highest priority, that you think, you know, the shirt on my back is important, but it's not going to define me forever. Instead, if you say, I want to press for something deeper and more, then I can gain something greater. And so the first two words there are psyche, and the other one there is zoe. And this comes up consistently throughout the writings of John. The Zoe life is what's linked with the eternal life. It's this understanding that there's something deeper that we're all living for. There's something more that we're trying to tap into instead of the things that are always constantly coming at us and changing all the time. So just to help us uh, think through this, I'd love a volunteer. Who would like to volunteer for me? People love volunteering, right? Sean, come on up. Here we go. Give give Sean a hand. Okay. So we're going to play Let's Make a Deal. So would you rather have option A, which is this cold, hard $5 bill, Or option B, would you like to never worry about money ever again? Option B, pretty wise choice, right? I mean, that's a good choice. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, that's what that means. No, that is, I did a really gruesome turn to the whole. uh, So here's how you do that, Sean. Just turn to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Go ahead and go to that slide for me. Should be there. It's not there? <laughs> All right, well, um, the, the Jesus talks in Matthew chapter 6 about not worrying about your possessions. He talks about, you know, just let the lilies of the field, they, they don't even labor or spin, but yet you worry about the clothes that you have. So my advice, if you want to not worry about your stuff, just read that, you know, maybe 10 times a day. Let it get deep into your heart and just come from that place, and then you'll never have to worry about money or stuff ever again. <laughs> Pretty great, isn't it? Aren't you just feeling much better right now? Like that's just, that just solved everything, doesn't it? Well, thank you, Sean. You get, the, you, get, you get the $5, too, for volunteering. So, I mean, the way that you would solve that isn't all that satisfying, isn't it? I mean, like, you just need to somehow tap into that mindset. Because every day, all day, you're going to be told, you know, you need this stuff and that stuff, and you need this thing and that thing. And if you have this thing, then your life is going to be solved. And so all day, you're going to hear that, 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 that. And so you need to tap into something deeper. And it's not all that satisfying of an answer, but it's the right answer. And that's a little bit of an understanding of what the Zoe life means because if you spend your time spinning your wheels after the psyche, the stuff that you think is going to make you happy in a moment, eventually it's going to go bad. Eventually your, your clothes are going to wear out. Eventually your food, even though you had a wonderful meal, it's not going to satisfy you. So seek the Zoe 
life. And it's eternal. And you've had moments in your life that you wish could just last forever, right? That you gathered around a table and you spent some some time with friends, some valuable time. Maybe it was seeing your, your kids succeed in something that they've been training really hard at. Or maybe it's you just, you've been grinding and grinding out here in L.A. And it's hard to, to make it in L.A. And it's like you've been struggling and then you finally get that one little glimpse, that thing, and it just satisfies your soul. Like it's more than just that you achieve something. It's like there's just something deep that went on inside you. And what John is trying to communicate is that if you spend your life on the psyche level, you're constantly going to be running for these things. And maybe it's good stuff like achievements or, or trophies. Sometimes it's failure that lets us down. Sometimes it's that people hurt us. And it's always changing. And what John says is Jesus, one of the main reasons, the reason that he came is to reveal the Zoe. That there's something that you can tap into that's deeper. That you don't have to live your life on this superficial level all the time. That there's something that's that's better. There's a well that you can drink from that isn't just like eventually someday we're going to get there. Eternal life, the understanding of what's like truly important and what matters, that can start now. Like you can experience that, not in this far off distance, but you can experience this now. Like this, John is saying, this is why I'm writing this to you. Like wake up, people. And it's a good thing we've solved this 2,000 years later, but... And we need to hear the same thing, right? I think that our world is spinning even faster maybe than it ever has. It reminds me of when I spent some time in in the Midwest. And every city that you go to in the Midwest, they have this thing, and they think it's all for their city. But they all say, if you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes. And they all think it's like for their city, and they think it's funny. You laugh because you're nice. But um, they they all, all say that about their weather. And when I was in a a church in Kansas City, I totally experienced that. I was at the gym lifting like you might expect, and um, (laughs) on the on the loudspeaker at the gym, um, this voice comes on and says, like, there's a tornado coming to this area. And so, I mean, I finished my set of 400 pounds or something, and um, calmly, calmly, uh, make my way to the exit. No, I was terrified because this is like the first hint of a tornado that I've ever experienced. And so I don't even really know what to do. I'm a California boy. I have earthquake knowledge, but that's all I had. And so I uh, go to the exit and I'm like thinking, okay, the house where I'm staying is about five minute drive from here. So I'll just, I'll just head home and then I'll figure out, they'll tell me what to do. They probably know a safer place than where I am right now. And so I, I went out to the car and not knowing much about tornadoes, when tornadoes are coming, the weather is horrible. I mean, it's just, it's awful. It's like raining just sheets and you can barely even see. And so it has all this stuff and I, I walk out and I'm thinking, okay, it's probably not safe for me to drive in this. So I have two options sitting out of my car. Like, you know, option A isn't that good. Sitting in the car doesn't sound too safe because I've seen Twister and Wizard of Oz, so I know how, how that stuff goes. And so option B wasn't that great either, but I had to do the walk of shame back into the gym and I'm just like soaking wet and everybody's just staring at me like, you're not from here, are you? Like, you're, like when tornadoes come in, like you don't like run and try, try to drive in it. And that was my experience of Midwest weather. It happened all the time. Things were looking good. Then a storm blows through and 15 minutes later, 
It's different. That's just how things are in those places. And what I think John is trying to communicate here is that if you live in the psyche world and don't think about the deeper things of life, you can have Midwest weather syndrome in your life constantly. That all of a sudden there's all this stuff coming up and, and you don't know. And sometimes there's tornadoes and there's these things. And if you are not living with a deeper sense and have your feet on some more solid foundation, you're in trouble, my friend. Because every other day there's going to be something that you have to worry about. Instead, live in the Zoe life, which is Los Angeles weather, right? Like, just 70s, 80s, and chill. Well, we must be doing something right. I don't want to say that, because might, you might get in trouble. But there's something that John is saying that's more stable. Live with a different perspective in the world. Because, yes, things are going to be changing around you, and some of it's going to be hard, and it's not always going to be easy. Jesus says, in this life you will have trouble. There's going to be tornadoes. The winds are going to raise, but as those things are swirling around you, there's something not just available to you after you die. There's something more available than you might have ever realized. And I think more than ever, we are are caught up in the moment. And it's good in some ways. We know about like every big disaster that happens all over the world. And it's good in some ways because we can show some compassion. But it's also overwhelming, isn't it? And we know about all these things and we're praying about one thing and then something else comes up and it's like, I don't know if I prayed about that other thing enough. I don't really know. And we're so caught up in the moments of our lives because we can just send information and get it faster than ever. So I think more than ever, we need the Zoe life, right? And what are you building your life on? Because there's going to be weather changes. There's going to be issues. And it's wonderful news here that we don't have to live constantly in fear and constantly changing. I think for a minute about maybe some glimpses in your life when, when you've seen this. What's the most beautiful scene in nature that you've ever experienced? Maybe for you it was sunrise in a certain location, and it was just beautiful and, and perfect, or maybe it was a sunset, or maybe it was up in the mountains where you got to just experience, you like to wake up with, with the world out in nature. Or maybe for you it's the beach. Maybe you're a beach person. You just love just, just sitting by the waves for 15 minutes. It just helps you realize that all's right in the world. And think about whatever that scene is for you, or maybe that thing that you keep returning to. And that sense of of peace, I think, is just a little taste of what Zoe life can be. The scriptures tell us, like, if you think that you're stressed out or your life is just going too crazy, go stare at the mountains for a while. They're going to be here long after you were born. They're going to be here long after you die. When we sometimes have those moments where we we glimpse a deeper life, I believe we experience what John tells us that Jesus came to reveal. And if it was revealed, if Jesus uncovered it for them, then it's still available to us. We take advantage of it. One of my friends in ministry named Kevin Roberson 
says this this way. He says, don't ever make a decision when you feel alone, angry, or afraid. I would add tired and hungry, but... But as I think about the biggest mistakes that I've made in my life, it's been around some of this stuff. You don't ever make a decision when you're going through a season you feel lonely. Because first of all, you have, have God to go to, but you also have more people than I think you might realize who would support you as well. Don't make a decision when you're angry because that's going to lead you probably to a bad place. Don't make a decision when you're afraid. 98% of the things you're afraid of will never happen anyway. I think about my biggest mistakes, and it's often because I'm acting from one of those three things. And there's always something new to make me feel alone. There's always something new to make me feel angry. There's always something new to make me feel afraid. We, as Christians, as the, the foundation, because this book is going to talk about love, 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 love. It's just going to talk about it over and over and over again. The foundation for our love has to be something deeper. And I think we're always encouraged in today's day and age to think about our feelings. Like, think about your Facebook feed. Here's what I get whenever I sign on to Facebook. What's on your mind, Brian? <laughs> Basically, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling about, you know, whatever's going on in your world or whatever's going on in the world? And this is true on whatever social media platform you use, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, whatever you're on, you know, what's on your mind? How are you feeling? What are you doing in this moment? How do you feel about what's happened to you? We're constantly encouraged to think about that. And I think this causes us to live in a certain way. Because it's pretty dangerous, actually, to live from your feelings all the time. And sometimes I think it's appropriate, but if we constantly are just living from our feelings, we're in a really dangerous state of mind. There's a book that I was reading on addiction and recovery, and the author said, chasing feelings is the behavior of an addict. Because if you feel sad, you want to do something about it. And I think on a lot of levels, in real ways, we all are chasing feelings. That's just the world we live in. How do you feel today, Brian? And it's important enough that everybody knows about it, right? How do you feel about what's happened to you, that long line? Oh, that stinks, doesn't it? How do you feel about this issue or that. Constantly chasing feelings is the behavior of an addict. And what I think it causes us to become addicted to is just feeling happy and not feeling sad or, or feeling any sort of pain. Sometimes I believe we need to walk through those difficult seasons to understand the faithfulness of God understand that God is truly with us. And if we're always just in that moment, the psyche moment of just like feeling about whatever is going on and swirling around you, it's going to cause you to feel more afraid, more alone, and more angry. It's going to cause you to continue to be divided. 
as I think about the people who I look up to and maybe you look up to, the people who have changed the world and inspired me and maybe some others you would add to this list. I think of people like Martin Luther King or Rosa Parks, George Washington, people who did significant things for our country. I, I think about how, like, they were pretty focused on what they were doing, right? And I don't see one of those people like Martin Luther King Jr. getting bummed out because he didn't get enough love on his Instagram birthday post. Or George Washington, like, stopping doing what he was doing because he was trolled on Twitter by some British people. (laughs) I mean, that's just ridiculous, right? But this is the kind of stuff we spend time talking about. And it's so stupid. And we can consume an entire life like that. And what John is trying to not so subtly remind us is, that this is not the way that you're called to live. If you're part of a Christian community, you're tapped into a way deeper life than that. He's going to talk about how that foundation is the love of Christ. But how is it that you are tapping into the Zoe life? The life that's deeper. Maybe it would help this week to just think and lay your life out on a sheet of paper, like one column Psyche, one column Zoe. And just think, okay, here are the things that often stress me out. Here are the things that I'm anxious about. Here are the things that I'm often, like, thinking about and consuming me. And it might be important, and you may have to continue to think about those things. But I think it's going to change your approach if you say, okay, then here are the real things that are my priorities. Here are the things that I truly am living for. And I'm going to separate those two and say, okay, you know, I might have to worry about this stuff for a little while. But when I I get home, when I walk away from that stuff, like, I'm just going to put that away. This is what I truly should be living for. So if, like, in this column, if I'm thinking about the Zoe life, what things do I need to prioritize? What things do I need to change? Because John is saying from the very beginning, if you are a Christian, this is the way that you should live. Because I think this frees us up to love how we should. Because if you're constantly living in the psyche where everything is changing and there's a different weather pattern every other day, how can you possibly forgive somebody? How can you possibly love somebody like God loves them if every other day you're worried about everything else? How can you possibly live that out? So from the very beginning, John is telling this struggling community, one that was way more persecuted than hopefully we will ever be, one who I would say probably had way more immediate problems like hunger than hopefully we will ever have. He tells them, I know there are things that are circling that are causing you to be afraid and causing you to worry. But Jesus taught us and revealed to us that there's an eternal life that's available not just when you die. But there's something deeper available to you now. May we learn, church, to participate in the Zoe life. Because not only do I think it's better for, like, your life, because, again, this is very practical. It's starting out very practically and saying this is, like, about life. It's about life in this moment. It's the foundation, truly, for how we love. And they'll know we're Christians by the way that we love. Let's pray for a minute. God, we all struggle with this. 
There's things that we worry about, stress over, things that fill us with anxiety. We all have been guilty of acting out of fear, acting out of anger, and acting when we feel alone. Father, forgive us those things and help us to move forward with your Zoe life as our foundation. May we truly prioritize the things that are most important. May we truly live from a deeper place. Feelings can can be important, but help us to not always live from those feelings. Because how we feel in a given moment isn't always going to produce the best result. Father, help us to, to learn to live from the Zoe life, a life revealed to us by your son, Jesus. It's in his great name I pray. Amen.